What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. There's trash everywhere. Talk about the trash. <laughs> um, welcome to the 12th episode of Too Long Didn't Listen. Um, this week, we've got a very special guest. You know him from SNL, and his debut stand-up album just came out, the, Brooks Whelan. Yes. This is the 12th episode? This is the 12th episode. I'm an early guest. Yeah. I'm usually like, this is our 300th episode. <laughs> We're scraping the bottom. <laughs> That's where I usually come in. No, you're in my top 12, apparently. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. So your new album just came out. Um, it's called This Is Cool, right? And you know that. Yes, I do know that. It's uh, very good. I just listened to you it. You listened to it? That's yeah. great. I, I like it a lot. I think it represents how I do stand-up comedy, um, which is, you know, just auto- autobiographical stories. Yeah, it's very, um, it's almost like chronological too. Yeah, I mean, I'd open with like maybe 10 minutes of jokes about New York and drugs. And then the rest is like, I start when I'm five and then it ends with Saturday Night Live, like all growing up and then moving to LA and getting fired from an engineering job and then going to SNL. Yeah, it's an incredible journey over the last couple of years for you. Um, And, you know, it was when I was thinking about the title of the album, Last week, I think it was last week, Colin Quinn was um, interviewed and was saying like that comedy suffers when it's cool. Right. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I mean, you never want to be the cool guy on stage. I'm always the butt of the joke. The idea of the album title is I'm unsure. I'm, you know, somebody's trying to be cool. Like he's like unsure of, I'm just unsure of everything, you know, like, come on, please guys, tell me this is cool. (laughs) Um... I don't like cool comedy. I, I don't like tough guy comedy where, you know, people are like, listen to this fucking idiot I ran into. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I like to be the fucking idiot in the story. Right. Yeah. That's so funny. And, you know, you talk about, like, growing up, you had um, brothers and you were, you think you were the youngest in the family? Yeah, I was the youngest of, uh, like, th- uh, three three boys. Right. So I feel like that sort of comes through a lot in a lot of your stories of yeah. being sort of, like, the underdog. Well, yeah, I mean, they were older and they were best friends. And then I was, like, four years younger and had... Had, um, no one to hang out with because they didn't hang out with me and we lived out in the woods so I hung out with my guinea pig a lot. <laughs> I grew up in the woods too. Really? in Catskill. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly how you feel where you're just like outside like picking up like lizards and shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean I would like I'd frogs. take like a hatchet out into the woods and fucking <laughs> chop stuff yeah. and then everybody was real chill with that looking back like where's yeah. Brooks? He's in the woods with a hatchet. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I think my like nearest friend was maybe like six miles away. I'd ride my bike into town. Yeah. We'd go to Walmart and hang out at Walmart. Um, <laughs> that was our mall. Yeah, pretty similar, too. Uh, and I actually, I was just reading your interview in um, Split Sider, and you were talking about one of the reasons that you like L.A. is that they have Walmart there. I like, dude, I, I'm over, I like... I like mega centers, man. Just <laughs> let me fucking walk in and get groceries and an air conditioner versus here in New York City. Like I was looking for boxes because I'm moving and I like went into like an Ace Hardware. I was like, do you have boxes? It's like, why the fuck would we have boxes? I'm like, I, I don't know. And they're like, try the other Ace Hardware. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, it's just so hard to locate stuff in New York. The whole, the whole like New York versus L.A. thing is such an old comedy trope, but it's you still find new ground there. And I thought like, your, your joke about New 
New York being like a million people on an island with no alleys yeah, to explain well, our garbage problem. I thought that was pretty spot on. Yeah, that's why I got to leave New York. I'm writing only New York material while you're here because <laughs> yeah. it's just like what we know. You just yeah. like get ingrained with New York and it's what kills at the New York shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I go leave and I go to Tacoma and they're like, what the fuck what are you, you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like they've never been here before. But yeah, I was like, I was, I just talk about that joke is like, when I got to New York, I assumed there was a trash strike going on. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. the workers must be striking. And yeah. it was like, no, Clearly this is what the city looks like. Yeah. That's funny. Um, when I was out there, I was hearing a lot of the New York jokes and stuff that like, you know, LA jokes. Like someone made a joke about um, this was such like a funny sort of insidery in LA thing where I forget who, God, I hope it wasn't you and I'm forgetting, but someone was doing a joke about someone biting something and spitting it out and they were like, oh, he, they pulled a Ryan Seacrest and like half the audience laughed and the other half was like me, like what, why is that funny? He goes, I heard that joke too. I forget yeah. who told it. I didn't get it. It was, well, it was hilarious because enough people in the audience knew that what that is based on is apparently Ryan Seacrest is known for at like um, parties. He'll like take a bite of food, chew it and then spit it out and then look at the person next to him and go like all the taste, none of the calories. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's what a fucking weenie. If that's true. Like, (laughs) but just the fact that there were enough people in the audience that like knew that rumor. Yeah, I mean, got it. I thought that was interesting. Like that bums uh, me out. Sort of like Hollywood material. That bums me out. If I, I, I hope people don't get that reference. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that was in New, yeah, yeah. In New York, they would have been like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, exactly. There's trash everywhere. Talk about the trash. <laughs> I love your New Yorker accent. It's yeah, like, get out of here. <laughs> this like Teamster. Or, like, yeah, is that? I don't know. Somebody from the twenties. <laughs> it's like that guy in the um, the Mucinex commercials. Like absolutely, it's like somebody old man from Brooklyn. Oh, I forget. Somebody had. <laughs> Somebody else had a great joke about uh, why why is mucus always blue collar workers? <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I had a hard day. <laughs> like, that's uh, not my joke. It's, it's somebody... really insulting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to them. Um, yeah, but no, I, I like New Yorkers, and I enjoy I enjoyed New York when I was working. But when you're not working, there's not a lot to do in New York besides like drink. Mm-hmm. Really, it's like all right, I'm gonna go drink beer now. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do like about Los Angeles is when you're not working, you can go into the desert. You can go hike, you know. But here, I don't have a car. So that was my only beef is I like to camp. And then that, it was it's harder to camp on the East Coast. Yeah. And the uh, weather. And- yeah. But I, I really enjoyed New York and think I became a much better stand-up comedian from living here and, like, getting into the comedy scene here. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting on your album, obviously, you talk a bit about SNL and getting fired and, and you, I feel like you can feel that sort of, the way that New York often takes comedians that are focused on sort of maybe going through something negative in their life or depressed or something and it's sort of like an incubator for that kind of comedy. Like, did yeah. you find that yeah, working stuff out here? Dude, I was... I moved here a real happy-go-lucky comedian of just like on stage, like whoops, a doo boop, uh, <laughs> like, and I would just have fun. And then I got here, and New York is a very um, joke-driven comedy scene. Like, they want jokes, which you know. Um, By that, do you mean more like more polished material? Polished material, yeah. yeah. You just needed to be polished. And I got here, you know, I, th- I was I was okay, you know. Uh, but um, then after, you know, being here a year and a half, I'm leaving, being like, no, nah, I think I'm really 
I think I'm great. Like, I think I'm, I don't want that to be the sound bite as I'm talking, but like, <laughs> I'm leaving, I feel like, as a really good stand up comedian. Yeah, it's sort of like a boot camp. Absolutely. One that, you know, I thought I would never get to enjoy. I remember being here for the, com- for the New York Comedy Festival a few years ago and thinking, man, it'd be great to live in New York for just like a year. And then it happened. I mean, and that's really lucky. It was really cool. Because otherwise, I was just going to stay in LA forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you're from LA. Or no, you're from Iowa. I'm from Iowa, but LA is like, you know, where all my friends live. It's right. where I got good at stand up comedy. I feel like you just kind of like wherever you get good at your profession because you just have fond memories. Yeah, that's um, true. Because, yeah, the New York dudes who move out to LA who got good in New York, they're like, you know, not super into LA. Right. There's, I mean, then there's obviously a lot of like New York expats there that I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, you never. I mean, it, it is sort of like a one-way street in that way. Like, I think if you if you spend enough time, I've lived here for ten years now, and you know, when I was in LA, I'm just like, wow, this is so nice. Yeah. But like, I can't really. You don't see yourself living there because you're just so used to like having it the way you have it in New York. Yeah, totally. And that's you know, all of my all of my friends in the comedy world in New York work at Saturday Night Live, and so when the summer was going on, is great because we're all off. Then uh, they all went back to work and I didn't. And then so it's just, you know, I was really bored. All my friends were working at my old job. So I didn't have anybody to hang out with besides Nick Turner, who's like one of my best friends. He's great. He's great. But yeah, that's, you know, I think that was another reason I was like, I want to go back to LA. It's where my friends are who aren't, you know, busy working at Saturday Night Live. So after after leaving SNL, well, yeah, let's talk about that just a bit. Like, so you were a writer first. Yeah. And then you got on the cast. Correct. And then when you were um, told that you were leaving the cast, was there ever like a, an invitation to become a writer again? Or is that something you would have wanted? No, I don't. That's a tough question, you know. Um, no, it was just like, yeah, you're done. That's you, you just got a call from my agent or manager being like, hey, you know, uh, you didn't get renewed. And I was like, oh, bummer. OK, well, let's go do stand up. Right. Yeah. And then it sort of turned into be almost a good thing for you just in terms of reigniting your stand-up. Yeah, I mean, it just really lit a fire to go be a great stand-up comedian, um, which, you know, was the original goal in my life. I was like, oh, yeah, what's like, that was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) That was insane. Now I'm going to go do like what I'm here to do, like, which is just go um, try to be a really great stand-up comedian. And does it, yeah, does it feel sort of like almost like a dream or something that kind of rushed by you or you, do you feel like it was like a, it was a, you know, kind of a grueling job? I mean, it, it goes by real quick, you know, like it's very fast Yeah. Um, to where, you know, you'd have a sketch on and you'd feel good and then you'd go two weeks without getting a sketch on and then that, that would be like so quick and you're like, oh my God, now I haven't been on the show in a month. Like haven't gotten anything on the right. show. Right, you have to kind of keep take the a break. going. Yeah, you got it. You know, it's like every week they start over, and you know, good or bad. So you have like maybe after an episode, you would have maybe five hours if you had a good sketch on, where you could feel good, and then you're like, I got to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. I got to start over. And same goes if you weren't on five hours of being bummed, but then you're like, I got another shot tomorrow. So, I mean, it works both ways. Kind of exhausting. <laughs> for, for sure, yeah. You know, and uh, another story from the album that was great um, was, and I thought it was interesting how it was sort of couched around the leaving SNL, um, was your story about going to Bonnaroo, and you met this girl. Yeah. 
that and you guys were on ecstasy and you uh, wait, hey, the tickets time out. For, wait you were she, I she was, was I was on ecstasy okay. I don't know if she was I don't want it to sound like <laughs> there, I took ecstasy well, with she a did, stranger she, was, she had glow sticks so she had a bunch of them bunch of she had multiple glow sticks a bunch of glow sticks at Skrillex she was probably so, on ecstasy but I'm not gonna put chances are high yeah. alright I don't want and also cause yeah we don't, I don't want to shame her in any way unnecessarily but right cause anyway. this is a real person yeah exactly yeah. well that was actually what I was gonna ask is you talk about how you know, when you tweeted, which was one of the probably the best way ever to announce that you had been let go, uh, fired from New York, it's Saturday night. And Dana, I think is her name. Yeah. She was the first person to see that. So she was one of the first people that you talked to afterwards. She texted me. Well, what happened was I it makes me sound terrible. I was at Bonnaroo <laughs> no. doing stand up comedy. And then um, some I, I'm a, I am open to new experiences. So when somebody's like, do you want to go see Skrillex and take ecstasy? I said, yeah, that sounds like a weird. I feel like I might be able to get a stand up bit out of this. I absolutely did. Research, it was a great yeah. idea. Uh, so anyway, I wanted glow sticks because I was on ecstasy and, and a girl had them and I promised her she could go to Saturday Night Live if she gave me two glow sticks. And then I got fired and she, she texted me, uh, no, <laughs> like she, her dreams were shattered. Yeah. Like, like it was her, it was more of a problem for her. Yeah. It made me feel bad. Like, <laughs> but, because I was like, oh, I ruined her life. You know, uh, damn you, Lauren Michaels. No, don't, I would never <laughs> say that. He's a nice, um, but, uh, felt bad for, for, uh, that girl. Yeah. But so do you keep in touch with her? No, man, I, she has no use. I, I am of no value to her. Like, she, you know, that was she was using me. It was a transaction. To be, yeah. uh, to get to Saturday Night Live. That's so funny. Also, I don't think my girlfriend would be super stoked of like, were you texting with Bonnaroo girl? <laughs> we have history. Yeah. We're friends, okay? <laughs> I said we were besties. Oh, that was great. Yeah, um, that was the New York Post. I did like an interview with them. And man, they can find a way to turn any story terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, I did an interview with them. I was just very positive about everything, you know, because I didn't want them to write anything negative. Uh, and then all they took out of it was um, Brooks, after uh, SNL firing, Brooks Whelan disappoints fan. And that was the headline. Oh, my God. And then underneath it was like, Brooks Whelan was on ecstasy at Bonnaroo <laughs> and he broke a girl's heart. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Wow. I didn't, I didn't get that vibe at all. Yeah. yeah I was like, yeah, I was like out of context. Context. That story makes me sound like a monster. Also, I love disappoints fan, not with perform by performance, but just yeah. by not hooking her up with something. Yeah, like, man. <laughs> but like, I feel like if I read that article uh, and it didn't know me, I would think it was very funny. Yeah. So I was like, I love that article. <laughs> Frame that one, put it on your wall. Yeah, I, sh I didn't. I didn't pick any up. I, somebody showed it to me, and I just laughed super hard and took a photo. Of it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah that that website that uh, newspaper man is just funny. I kind of enjoy how crazy they are. Yeah. Like, they're great at um, puns and rhyming. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, I, I got to get better puns and rhyming if I want to work at the Post. I know. It seems like such a goofy yeah. room. Yeah. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like a soldier got a boo-boo, and then you read it, it's like 300 soldiers killed in Iraq. Like, oh my God, that's not a boo-boo. Yikes. Um, so... Uh, you've been doing a bit of acting lately, post-SNL A little girls. bit, yeah. Well, just like this. Uh, yeah, one episode. One episode. It was really fun. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, Lena just uh, had written a script uh, where she goes to Iowa in the show, and I'm from Iowa, and she was like, you should play uh, that role. And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, and then, yeah, 
we just shot it and she directed it. It was really cool. So it wasn't too much of a stretch for you then. It was no, kind I mean, of tailor-made yeah, for you. I mean, it's kind of kind of in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not really getting out there with different characters right now. Is that something you want to do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, acting is a way for people to, you know, become familiar with you and then want to come see your stand up. Um, I love writing too. You know, ideally I'd love to go write on a show that I'm on or something like that. Yeah. And you had some really great, um, rejected or unused, um, SNL sketches that yeah. you share on the special or on the album. On the album. Yeah. I talked about, I, I also wanted to record the album now <laughs> so I could just be done talking about Saturday Night Live like forever on stage. Cause yeah. I was like, I like all these, you write so many sketch ideas, you know, I had, you know, like 500 sketch ideas while I was there. Um, and you know, that's, that's insane. Maybe not five. Well, I probably did a 500 cause you just write yeah, so many. Like stretch. Um, and, uh, I wanted to share them cause they're funny ideas, but I was like, I need to put an album out soon. Otherwise it's like, is he still talking about Saturday Night Live? So I was stoked to do it. And now. I don't mention, I don't even come up, I don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, that's, I mean, that seems like a good strategy too, especially considering that like, you know, it's, it's. I mean, I can imagine it's tough because no matter what you do when you're on SNL, you sort of get that stamp of Yeah, of I mean, look, and and I, I really love Saturday Night Live, but I don't want to be the dude who talks about it on stage. Yeah. Ad nauseum, you know, like, I mean, like, these are funny jokes. There we go. They're out there. And I'm, I retired everything from the album, so that'll... I don't do any of those jokes anymore. Right. You know, and it was funny, too. When I, when I saw you in L.A., um, you were hosting Al Madrigal and Friends show. And um, you really committed to this. I was wondering how much of it was a bit, but you were really committing hard to the, like, bitter stand-up comedian role. And you kind of had, like, you had a lot of funny sort of asides with, like, when people had a really good set, you were like, oh, you know, kind of lamenting it because you had to follow it, that kind of thing. So is that something that you kind of picked up in this last year? No, what that was, was I hadn't hosted a show in five years. I haven't emceed a show in so long that I went up and immediately went to how I normally am of just goofy. Like I laid on the couch and told jokes (laughs) into the couch, mumbling them. You can't do that when you host. You need to like hit them with jokes up front. Yeah. And so then I was like, I just was like grumpy. Yeah, but I mean, I actually enjoyed it because... You are, maybe it's because I see a lot of stand-up, but like you, a lot of time the host is that sort of like crowd warmer sort of Yeah, no, I'm not a good crowd, I'm not a crowd warmer upper. I need (laughs) like, yeah, that's not what I'm great at because I I went way goofy immediately and people are like, what the fuck is this? Like (laughs) this kid, I told, I opened up with a joke. There was a couch on stage, which is stupid. And so I feel like it's trying too hard. But uh, so I opened up as a a pouting eight-year-old so I started the comedy set as like a little kid laying on the couch telling jokes, being like, I don't want to tell jokes. And the crowd was not on board, but yeah. I still commit it, which I guess is all you can do. No, that w- I mean, I guess I thought it was great because it sort of set that tone throughout the whole um, set. And then so like every time you come on stage, I think I was like, oh, OK, what's what's going to happen now? Yeah, like, I mean, I watch stand up comedy and too much. If it's too polished, I think it's lame. Yeah. I like see stand up so much stand up comedy that I like I really like loose stand up comedy. Like like you not you don't have it completely planned out before you go up there. Unless you're recording, you know, a TV spot or an album go for it like do a perfectly written set cuz this is important but like with that show where I'm hosting 
I'm not going to go up and just like rattle off 10 minutes of material that works. I'm I'm hosting. I don't care. I'm going to goof around and I'm going to have fun over everything. And I feel like if the performer's having fun, then the audience will have fun. Of course. Yeah. Because then they're like, this, this is neat, you know, that sort of environment. And I feel like that's, I mean, from what I saw in LA, like the looser sort of, um, unpolished sets sort of, I feel like that does better out there. Yeah. In New York, it's like, New York loves it when they're like, oh, you guys, they're trying out something new, but it's gotta be like, you kind of have to be like pretty known to do that. You have to be like Louis C.K. or right. Chappelle. Yeah, uh, I feel like, I mean, I hate to just keep comparing New York and Los Angeles, but I feel <laughs> like Los Angeles is more hardcore comedy fans who enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and New York is more of like, we paid money, like there's so <laughs> many more free shows in LA right. than um, in New York. And I think anytime you're at a free show, don't expect anything polished. You didn't pay money. Like mm-hmm. people are using this show to work out material um, to where like if I headline like a club in you know, Dayton, Ohio, I need to remember like these people got a babysitter. They fucking $20 a ticket. You know, they're spending like 100 to $200 to come to the show. Give them good material. Like yeah. I, I need to do material that works for that because you, you know they're putting faith in you by giving two hundred dollars to enjoy this night. Whereas in Los Angeles, a bunch of little shitheads who are twenty two is free. Yeah. I'm gonna fuck around and yeah. like figure out new material to take to Dayton. Right, and you recorded your special in Wisconsin. Yeah. So was that sort of due to that sort of strategy? No, Wisconsin. There's like. There's just like a couple, a handful of comedy clubs that do it right. That just like book great comedians and turn because they just book so many good comedians, the audiences are great. And Comedy Club on State is in Madison. It's one of those that just has a great lineup. Like go to their website. Those are all funny people, which in turn brings in smart um, comedy fans. And I recorded it there because I was like, I want it, it to be with a bunch of comedy fans who like comedy and it's a good room. That place is great. Uh, Acme in Minneapolis is great. Um, the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana is great. Like these like Midwest college towns are the best because it's just like smart young people. Um, yeah. For my cool. style of comedy, I think that fits best. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just those three places are great. Like, you know, San Francisco's fun. Um, Portland is fun. Those type of those are like places I like to go. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense because I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> the wrong room can totally kill a, a set. Yeah. But that's also, it's important to that. Um, it's great once the crowd kind of knows you coming in cause then they, you know, they didn't get there on purpose. That's why I love alternate, like I love, um, doing rock venues cause then like, it's like if I just go on like a tour and do like little rock venues, you know, like 200, 300 seat places, yeah. one show only. Uh, it's not just people who are like, let's see comedy tonight. Yeah. There's like one extra step to like, I want to see, uh, Brooks Whelan's comedy tonight. Right. So then they come invested and it also feels a little bit more, um, fun and exciting to see comedy outside of a comedy club. Like you're like, I had to find this. Yeah. And then it brings everybody who's there. They feel like this is great. We all discovered this, like that little, you know, this is a secret type of environment is where I like to perform, you know, we yeah. like backyard shows are great. Putting on shows like at 
the campgrounds in Joshua Tree. It's super fun stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you don't find that in New York too much, but <laughs> no, but New York is great at that. New York has like whiplash on Monday. Oh, yeah. Tuesdays is hot soup up. Like New York has a great show like that every night. You know, whiplash is free. That's at UCB yeah, that's on Monday, and then hot soup is free. That's at the Irish Exit on like 51st and 2nd mm-hmm. on Tuesdays, and then Big Terrific is Thursday is Wednesdays over in Williamsburg. Yeah, I love that show. Thursday is Cabin, which is in the East Village. You know, Sundays is the Knitting Factory. Those are all free shows. Right, that are you can just kind of stacked hop around. with the best comedians. So New York has it too. You just gotta find it. Yeah. What got you so into camping? I think just being, um, just like uh, really feeling confined in Los Angeles. I felt like I was in Groundhog Day every weekend, where it was like work at the biomedical engineering job, then get super drunk Friday night, get super drunk Saturday night, um, and then, you know, go back to work on Monday. And then I did that for like two years and I started to get sad because I was like, what am I doing? This isn't, you know, I'm not living this cool life that I wanted. Like, I kind of thought like, if you looked at where you, I, if I looked at myself as a 24 year old, as like a 10 year old, I'd be like, that guy's a loser. You know, mm-hmm. he just drinks like that's not fun. So um, that's when I started like camping and trying to like see the world, you know, yeah. like go see something new every weekend. And it made me like way happier. And then that affected my stand up because that was more light. And plus I was having experiences and it wasn't just like all of like, oh, I was so drunk last night <laughs> yeah. that I fell down the stairs and I told myself, you know, hey, drunk Brooke. Don't, you know, remind sober Brooks that you peed in the hamper, like dumb yeah. jokes like that. <laughs> and, and instead of writing those jokes, I was writing like happy jokes about, you know, now I was taking drugs at Bonnaroo. You know, yeah. I'm joking. It's not like a substance <laughs> Fond abuse Fond memories problem. like that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just getting out there and living a life that people would want to hear about. Yeah. Versus, you know, holing up and just, you know, doing the same thing every weekend. Yeah, and I know it's like, it's interesting because um, when stand-ups sort of have those sort of lifestyle changes and then it affects their set, it's like, can it can be awesome, and re- but it can also be like, oh, like, I always think of it as like, the you know, when there's like a, like a fat guy comedian that loses a lot of weight. Right. And it's like, oh, what happened? You used to be like funnier when you were this oh, person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny to see those transitions and there how were, it actually like impacts them. There was like a definable transition that happened where I stopped writing jokes and started getting personal. I dated this girl for seven years and uh, I was gonna, we we're gonna go to Europe together. And she broke up with me and like moved out. And then I went and did the set. Then day we were supposed to leave to go to Europe. It was like a comedy central showcase. And I just talked about that. I had a joke that like kind of springboarded. It was just talking, I was like, I'm supposed to leave tonight to go to Europe with this girl I dated for seven years, um, but we broke up. So if anybody wants to come to Europe with me, I'll propose to you in Germany. Uh, and it was just like this <laughs> real, real, yeah. like laugh, but like unsure. Like, like he's serious right yeah, now. Yeah, that's a real joke. Yeah. And then uh, that led, I got like Comedy Central, like their 10 comics to watch, like kind of from that set. Right. Um, and then I was like, this is what I should be writing about. Just like, you know, real emotion, like real issues that I have. 
it's more exciting to hear somebody talk about real problems in, a, in like in a lighthearted way. You know, I wasn't like, oh, I'm yeah. so sad. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was coming through, you know, I was yeah, pretty you really, out. It's like, you know, that's when comedy becomes almost like a form of alchemy where you're taking something. And yeah. It's like, you, you know, you seem to have turned that into a talent of taking something negative and right. making it work for your act. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a bum, you know, I like comedians who, when they're bummed, off stage, like if they're having a bad week, they're bummed on stage. And you're like, oh, this is teetering on a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that style of comedy where you're just yeah, unsure so where the person's going, which yeah. I, I mean, I'm consistently teetering on a meltdown uh, in bad weeks. But then like I'm like having a great comedy week this week. I'm so like week to week. Yeah. How I perform. Um I'm like stoked this week on comedy because I think I'm leaving New York in two days. And it's just kind of like a little tour where I'm doing all my New York jokes and don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Because um, sometimes I feel bad doing jokes at work all the time because I'm like, you already know they work. Yeah. You don't need to keep telling them. So it's sort of like, yeah, you're not really getting in your practice by doing that. Yeah. I'm like, if a joke works, you know, great. Now you don't need to tell it until you record the album. Work on new jokes to get them to work and then put all them together right. on one album. It would be like rehearsing the same song over and over. Yeah, yeah. Once you yeah, once you stop tinkering with a joke, I kind of like like to put it away, especially in New York and Los Angeles mm-hmm. where it's it, it they are free shows and I should be working on new material. Yeah. Um, it, but then, you know, when I go to, I don't, I don't know, Sacramento, I'm going to pull out all the jokes that work because those people paid, you know, it's like the $200 thing of like, give them what you've worked exactly. on. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's sort of like you have to sort of, you have to have kind of a filing cabinet in your head of Oh, material. I mean, it's just a notebook that is so oh, many yeah, doodles. Or write them down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you remember everything? Yeah. Um, that's so funny. So, wow. So two, your last two days in New York. Last two days. I have back the, to yeah, LA. Two shows tonight. And then tomorrow I'm stoked. I'm opening up for John Oliver for two shows at the Beacon Theater. He, oh, that's a great Yeah. Theater. I've gone on tour with him a little bit, man. He's just like one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Yeah. He's so great. And also currently such a... You know, so popular because last week tonight is so good. Yeah, I mean, our readers are obsessed with it. It's such a good show. His like, fans, really hit it out of the park. his fans are the best comedy crowds because yeah. they're all intelligent people who you know came to see John Oliver and then he intros me and they're like, oh, if he likes this guy, we like this guy. It's, it's a great endorsement. Yeah, a great endorsement <laughs> to have John Oliver be like, yeah, this is my guest tonight. It's really yeah. nice. It's really great. He's taught me a lot about comedy. Talk about a dude who who writes, that guy writes a lot, like so prolific. That's what I really like in comedians. Really? Yeah. yeah. So he write, he does a lot more polished sort of material, you mean? Or No, he, I'm saying like he'll work stuff out on stage in front of 3,000 people, like just okay. like a riff we had, like, and then he'll go on and it's like a great bit. That yeah. I'm like, I love that confidence of like, this is, you know, sold out theater, but I'm still going to work on new material. I love that. I really uh, admire it. It's not, it is ballsy, but it shouldn't be. It just should be the way it goes. True. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, it's a, it's, it works, you know, you get great stuff out of it. I love it. Yeah. I like that a lot. So what's the first thing you're going to do when you get back to LA? Get back to Los Angeles. I actually have to come back to New York (laughs) on Thursday. I got on Wednesday. I get there Saturday and I have to come back Wednesday. I'm going (laughs) to be on uh, Seth Meyers. Which oh, is, great. he's the best. He was my boss at Saturday Night Live and just the full on funniest guy I've ever been around and yeah. the coolest. So it's a good combo. He seems like a very nice guy. Dude, 
the nicest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll get there. I uh, turn on my electricity and get the internet, and then I'll come back to New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just in time to uh, get set up. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess that's a great place to end. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you for having me on. Hopefully I didn't get too preachy no. or talk too much about New York. And no, LA. I think that was great. And um, you can get your album on iTunes. Yeah, you can pick it up on iTunes and it'll be available on vinyl in uh, March or April. Classy. Yeah, it takes a little bit to print those because now everybody is doing it. Awesome. We'll look out for that. Yeah. Uh, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, well, tell me why you're obsessed with Kid Rock. He's never made a he's never made a false step. Everything he's done has been perfect in his career. I love it. <laughs> I just like dudes who do whatever they want. Um, at SNL, That's I had not what I was expecting. Yeah, to hear. no way. I love it, man. Uh,